Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So this is the fourth lesson of Big Butts of the Bible. And if, you're, if you've been here all four weeks, great. If not, just to recap, the, first, you, the whole premise of this series is that you have a big butt. Right? You have a big butt. And, and your butt is the excuse as to why you can't believe in God or why you won't serve God or live for God. So we, start, we talked about the big butt of everybody's doing it. The first week, well, everybody's doing it. Why shouldn't I do it? We talked about how Noah, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, the next big but was, but my past. And then we were in Ephesians 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, he saved us. Uh, last week, we did Freaky Friday, Matt and I did. And Matt was up here, and he talked about the big but of, but I have plans. I got places I want to go. He went to Proverbs, and he said, many are the plans in a man's heart, but God directs his steps. So the whole premise is, you have a big but. You have a reason why you can't believe God, serve God. But the Bible has a big butt that trumps your big butt every time. So that's the, that, that's the premise of the series tonight. The final butt is, but God wouldn't use someone like me. How many of y'all recognize uh, the, 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 the picture there? You know what that movie's from. Uh, yeah, you got the middle schoolers, they, 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 did, they were too young. They did not get this. But yeah, I know. Like, 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 like yeah, somebody needs to talk to their parents and tell them what bad parents they are for not letting them watch this. And um, so, Sandlot, right? Do you, do you remember this scene from Sandlot? Anybody remember this scene from Sandlot? Yes. Okay, it's where they're picking teams, right? How many of you, you have childhood trauma from this kind of scene in your recess? You know, how, you know what happens here? You know how this works, right? Um, you're, you're at recess or you're, 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 you're wanting to play kickball or basketball, baseball. So they line everybody up, right? And they do captains. The captains are always the, the biggest, buffest, baddest, most athletic people, right? Because you don't put them on the same team. So they, you know, stroll over there and they turn around and they start picking teams, you know. And me, especially in middle school, I was awkward and not real athletic. So I was never the first one picked. Let's just, let's just say that, you know. Um, but my concern was always, and maybe you've had this before, the concern is always you don't want to be the last one picked. You know, you don't want to be the last one picked. So th- there was one time I just, there, there's this one guy standing next to me. I was like, I know I won't be the last one picked because this guy is like one of those like nose breathing guys. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, like they're definitely, at least I won't be last. Well, guess what happens? It gets down to me and him and they pick the nose breather. So then, you know, I don't get picked by a team. You know, I go to a team by default, right? Because I'm the last one. Um, they didn't, cho- yeah, they, they, I didn't, yeah, they didn't choose me. I chose them. <laughs> Reverse Calvinism. Um, but they, uh, <laughs> Laura thought that was funny. But um, so, so they weren't expecting much out of me, right? They weren't expecting much out of me. So the question I want to kind of flip to you is if God was up here and he was captain for team God, which <laughs> I guess he is, he's God, right? But so we don't have to say if. Um, if God were standing up here and he were picking his team, not to play kickball, but to do what God's mission is in this world, to, to change the world, to save people. If God were picking people for his team, don't, <laughs> this, is not, this is a rhetorical question, don't answer this out loud. If, but if God were picking from the people in this room, who would he pick first? <laughs> I don't know if he'd pick prideful people, Carla. No, I'm just joking. Um, uh, who would he pick first? Who would he pick last? Think he'd, <laughs> think he'd pick you before the nose breather? You know, um, if God were picking people for his team, who would he pick? And I think a lot of us, um, 
unless we're super prideful, I know Carla was joking, but unless we're super prideful, we would probably think, I wouldn't be the first one picked. You'd have some buts. I wrote down a couple buts of why sometimes I think God wouldn't use me. But I'm not really good at anything. I mean, I look around at you guys. You guys are awesome. I mean, you guys that played and sang up here, you're talented. Some of you guys get such good grades, like, like, like you know, my, my paper looked like a massacre. There was so much red on it, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like a B and C student. You know? uh, somebody else is better, just more talented, better looking, not as socially awkward as me. Anybody here socially awkward? If you raise your hand, you're going to do it in a really awkward way, right? <laughs> yeah. God wouldn't use a socially awkward person like me. Well, here's a big one. This was a big one for me for a long time, still is. But I screwed up. And everybody knows it. God definitely ain't going to use me. But what if I told you, and what if the Bible told you, more importantly, that that but that you have, why God wouldn't use you, that's like the very reason he's going to use you and he wants to use you because God likes to use people that aren't real talented God likes to use people who are socially awkward, and God likes to use people who have screwed up big time and everybody knows about it. And we're going to learn about an example of God, how he used someone that if other people were picking spiritual teams, would have never picked this guy. But God picked him and used him literally to change the world. So if you have your Bible, turn to, um, oh, oh, the kicker line though. Yeah, because I've spent a lot of time on this one. Put it up there, Matt. Use your big butt to bring people to Jesus. Okay, so that, yeah, I, I had to say that. So now turn to 1 Timothy chapter one. <laughs> I, had, I, I had to say it, you know. Uh, but <laughs> turn to 1 Timothy chapter one. I'll give you a minute, a minute to turn there. Um, Timothy was a, a letter written from Paul, an apostle of Jesus, an eyewitness of Jesus to um, the person he was mentoring, a pastor named Timothy, young guy. And in 1 Timothy, we're gonna read chapter one, verses uh, 12 through 17. This is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I, this is not even the big butt we're talking about tonight. This is like a, yeah, this is an extra butt. It's a buy one butt, get one free tonight. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I, this is the but, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example for those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So, from this story, Paul kind of gives his life in a nutshell. He was a really bad person. Jesus saved him. And then Jesus saved him with mercy and used Paul, this terrible person who he saved, to save a whole lot of other people. So tonight, I'm gonna talk, you know, I want to talk to you about why God wants to use you to save other people. And I'm not just talking about the super spiritual people here tonight. I'm talking about you too. <laughs> and, um, and, and I've only got three points tonight, so it should be a... A quick one, because I have, I have something at the end that I think may be real helpful to you. Um, so the first point that we learn is that God will save anyone, even someone like you. 
talking about you and I'm talking about you and I'm, t- I'm not pointing at specific people, but I'm talking about you and I'm talking about, God will even save someone like you. And in verse 14, or excuse me, verse 15, Paul says this. He says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. And then he gives the saying. He says that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I didn't get to talk about this with middle school because it's a shorter lesson time, but this saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, was known to be a saying of the, um, the, what we call the early church. When Jesus went back to heaven, there were people that started believing in Jesus. They started meeting together, assembling together, forming churches. And those churches didn't have like the completed Bible. The New Testament was literally being written as they met, which is cool to think about. So they didn't necessarily have like written down things about Jesus. So they started developing these really short sayings. Sometimes we call them creeds, catechisms. They started these short little sayings so they would remember what was important to know about Jesus. And this was one of the sayings. It's eight Greek words. It's a little bit longer in English, but this was the saying that had been circulating around all these churches. And Paul says to Timothy, you've heard this said, you know, a lot of people say it, I want you to know this is a very, very, very good saying, and you should really, you know, you should write it on your wall. You should make it your Instagram bio. You should, you know, this should be your saying. And here's the saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's a pretty simple saying. There's a lot of truth about Jesus, about faith packed into that. First, it says Christ Jesus. It's not just any Jesus. Christ Jesus, that's a title of royalty. So Jesus was a king. Yeah, he wasn't just a person. He was, he was God. So God came into this world. So somebody who existed outside the world came into the world. Somebody who's not limited by space and time humbled himself and became limited by space and time. Why did he do that? To save sinners. That was Jesus's purpose. You can learn a lot from those little words, can't you? About about Jesus and who he was and what he did, why he was here. And Paul says, there's another reason that you should really like this saying, because it's proven to be true in my life. Because he says, Christ Jesus, here's the quote, Christ Jesus came in this world to save sinners, end quote, of whom I am the foremost, of whom I, in some versions it says, I am the chief. <laughs> yeah, Jesus saved sinners, well, I'm the worst sinner ever, and Jesus saved me. And he kind of describes how bad, of a, <laughs> how bad of a person he was. In verse 13, it says that um, I was formerly a blasphemer. The middle schoolers did not know what that meant. And some of you, your faces, you're like, what does that mean? That means someone who speaks against the name of Jesus. Um, someone who does not believe in Jesus and speaks against him. I'm sure you have people around you, people that you know who don't believe in the name of Jesus and speak against the name of Jesus, Um, people who don't believe in him. That was Paul. He wasn't just a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He didn't just not believe in Jesus. He really didn't like people who believed in Jesus. You know anybody like that? Like, like it, it's not just enough that they don't believe in Jesus. They have to make sure you know that you're stupid for believing in God. Um, they, they, want, they, wanna, they wanna debate you at every corner they can, and they wanna, they wanna kinda take you down a notch. Like, the, their, their position is not just, they don't believe in God, but their position is against Jesus, like against Christianity. That was Paul. And then it says that he was an insolent opponent. That sounds like something from Mighty Python, I think. You know, <laughs> like my insolent opponent. Um, but insolent, what that means is like abusive. So he didn't, ju- what didn't just not believe in Jesus. And he didn't just oppose people who believed in Jesus. He was abusive toward people who believed in Jesus. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was someone who, he got, a, in Acts 7, you read, he got a whole crowd riled up to 
pelt a Christian named Stephen with stones and rocks until he died. He he was like the one that got the fight started but didn't participate in the fight and just kind of sat back and watched, you know. Some of you know how to do that really good in your your houses. Um, But yeah, he he was abusive towards Christians and Paul was on on a road. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus and he was on his way to Damascus to go round up a bunch of Christians, get them thrown into jail and killed and Jesus stops him. Literally, Jesus comes back down to earth and he's like, Saul, we need to have a talk. You know, and, and Saul meets Jesus, Paul meets Jesus, and he becomes a Christian. He starts serving God. So you have someone who was, I wrote it down because sometimes I forget, you know, you ever forget things, I write things down so I don't forget them. Um, that God took the greatest pagan and made him the greatest Christian. I don't mean that you're all pagans and you're all Christians. I'm just kind of going you know, back and forth. Take the greatest pagan and make him the greatest Christian. But he did. He took the greatest pagan and made him the greatest Christian. God will save anyone, even someone like you. If God can save Paul, right, he can save you. And you say, Matt, this is like, why are we spending all this time belaboring this point? Because like, we're probably all Christians in here. Well, some of you haven't had spiritual traction in your life for a long time. And here's something that I've learned, that if you want to move forward in your life for Christ, moving forward starts by looking back at the cross. So you can't, you, you can't tell other people about Jesus if you've forgotten who you are in Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay. So God will save anyone, even someone like you. Here's the next point. God will use someone like you I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you. I'm talking about you. God will use someone like you to save others. Here's where the big but comes into play. But, verse 16, but I received mercy for this reason. God doesn't just save people from hell. God saves people to save people from hell. I received mercy for this reason. Then there are kind of two really interesting words that he uses. um, That in me, meaning Paul, or in me, meaning Matt, as the foremost, meaning the worst sinner ever. The word is protos. That's where we get the word like prototype from, like the first. This is a prototype of the PS5. Um, Sometimes we see prototypes of really, Carson is not approved. Um, We see uh, prototypes of different cars and things that are coming out, concept cars, so that we can get an idea and it serves as an, an example. Then later he says that Christ might display his perfect patience in me as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. So that word kind of means, for example, kind of means a pattern or a sketch. So what, here's what Paul was saying. I was a terrible person. Paul didn't become perfect after, after he was saved either. So those of you that you, you, you feel frustrated because you're like, man, I got saved, but I'm still like using this language. Or I'm saved and I'm still looking at this on the computer. Um, Paul wasn't perfect. It means you're forgiven. But people would look at Paul and they'd say, this guy's telling me about Jesus. Wasn't he killing Christians like two days ago? Like, like, wasn't Paul the one that got Stephen stoned? Not like in the medicinal way, but like in the dead way. Like, wasn't he the one that got Stephen stoned? Yeah. But Paul was an example of how patient God is. Remember, we have the wrong idea of God. God is not this old man in heaven with a quiver full of lightning bolts ready for when you screw up. They're like, bam, got you, Cameron. That's right. <laughs> yeah, waiting for somebody to mess up and get him. That's not God. That's not his nature. His nature is to be patient. Right? And Paul was a display of God being patient with him. And when other people looked at Paul and said, wow, if Paul, God can turn Paul into a Christian and someone who's preaching the gospel, even though he did this, 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 and this, 
he could maybe change my life too. So Paul was an example. He was kind of like the prototype. So if they could see Paul, and Paul was an example of God's patience, doesn't that mean they can look at my life and they can look at your life as a Christian, even though you're not the most talented? I mean, I'm not saying you're not, but you think that. You know, even though you think you're not the most talented, even though you don't get as many likes as the other people, even though you've messed up in the past and everybody kind of has you labeled as the girl that did this or the guy that said that, that God can through your life and even through some of your mistakes display how patient he is and others can see that you're not perfect but that you're forgiven and that God is patient with you and that it will lead them, as it says here, to believe in Jesus for eternal life. You think God can't use you because you messed up. I'm saying God will use you because you messed up and he'll even turn your sin into a way for him to receive glory and for people to come to know him. Wow. I guess I'm the only one excited about that. But to me, thanks, McKenzie. Uh, that's exciting to me because I, I've screwed. I, there were times where I, I remember one time I was driving home from somewhere I shouldn't have been doing something I shouldn't have done with people I shouldn't have been with. And I remember thinking, I'm done. I'm screwed. I mean, I'm done. Um, I, God's not going to want to use me. Church isn't going to want me anymore. I mean, I guess I'm still going to go to heaven, but man, <laughs> I'm done. Here I am. God is a patient God. So God will use someone like you to save others. Evangelism, reaching others, telling other people about Jesus, we think that's for like the spiritually elite. We think that's for people who have got like, they, they, they've got Caleb on repeat. I've been told not to talk about Caleb because people think I have something against Caleb. I don't have anything against Caleb. I'm just using it as an example. You know, they think evangelism is for somebody who's read through their Bible three times. I think evangelism is for someone who's never really had a public mess up. I'm saying you know, re- telling other people about Jesus is for you, and it's for you, and it's for you. If, if, if you. if you've been saved, God wants you to not save other people, but he wants you to help other people know the person who can save them. Here's the final point. It really doesn't jive with the rest of them as far as the way it sounds, but the stakes are high. I didn't know how else to say it, and I should have warned Sydney what I was going to put on the, the screen here. I'm sorry. I put the Patriots on the screen. Um, but this is a picture of when Adam Vinatieri, yeah, the clock had counted down. It was the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, the final play of the Super Bowl. This is when the, the, the Patriots had never won a Super Bowl before with Tom Brady. This was his first Super Bowl, and he did, really didn't win it. Adam Vinatieri won it because with, with one play left, Adam Vinatieri had a kick. I think it was like a 40-some-yard field goal to kick. If he missed it, Rams won. If he made it, Patriots won. And he nailed it. Yeah, he nailed it. But the stakes were high, right? There was a lot riding on this kick. Do you know that the stakes are pretty high as far as how we deal with our salvation and the people that we tell about Jesus? And here's why the stakes are high. Look at the end of verse 16. It says that Paul was an example and you are an example of those who were to believe in Jesus for eternal life. There's a big connection. You'll you'll read it throughout the whole Bible. How are you saved? Believe in Jesus for eternal life. Believe John 3, 16, God's will of the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Jesus said it like this in John 6. He said, everyone who looks at the son, meaning Jesus, and believes in him, We'll have eternal life. See the connection? Believe eternal life. Believe eternal life. How do you get to heaven? Let's try this again. Believe eternal life. Believe eternal life. How do you get to heaven? Believe. 
Okay, there we go. That was a lot better. So, so you don't get to heaven by doing anything else, right? It's by believing in Jesus. So then it begs the question, what about people who don't believe in Jesus? That's a sobering thought, isn't it? That's a sad thing to think about. Man, the stakes are high. This, is, this isn't Fortnite. This is bigger than the NFL. This is serious. And the only thing, yeah, Pastor Tim preached on Sunday night and it was a great message and he said something that I, just rocked me. There are a lot of people in this world, a lot of people you know who don't believe in Jesus and they're lost. They're on the way to hell. Pastor Tim said this, the only thing worse than being lost is being lost and nobody's looking for you. There are people that we know who are lost and nobody's looking for them. That's where you come in. That faithful saying that Paul talked about in verse 15, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He didn't put you in that school that you think is a prison by accident. He didn't put you in the home that you're in <laughs> by accident. He didn't put you on the team you're in, the circle of friends you're in. He didn't make you stop at the same Speedway gas station for gas every day by accident. The people that you're surrounded with are handpicked by God for you to take the message of Jesus to them. Are you going to use your big butt to bring others to Jesus? This isn't for the spiritually elite. This is for you. Oh, yeah, we've got five minutes to do this. I'm so excited. Okay, I was hoping we'd, we'd be on time with this because this is something that has really helped me over the past year or so, and I hope it'll help you too. Here's my problem with telling other people about Jesus. It scares the crap out of me. I'm a, I don't know if I'm supposed to say crap. It scares the poo out of me. Um, even as a, a, like as a youth pastor, I've just graduated from seminary, and I'm still, it still makes me nervous to tell other people about Jesus because I'm like, what if they're a you know, socially awkward guy here? What if there's an awkward pause? <laughs> what if they ask me a question and I don't know what to say? Uh, you know, what if they just get really ticked off at me? You know, like, 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 like I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to start the conversation. I just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, you don't want to burn in hell, right? Like, I probably wouldn't be a good way to start it, I think. But, you know, like, how, how do I? Well, <laughs> I didn't come up with this. I, I read about this in a book and it's really been helpful. Um, here are some ways that we can use our big butts to bring others to Jesus. Um, the first is, is that we, they're all S words, by the way. Uh, had, to, had to alliterate them. Stop pretending. Um, if, if we pretend like we don't have a big butt in our life, if we pretend like we're perfect, guess what? People aren't gonna see God's patience on display in our life. They're just gonna see the fake person that we pretend to be, right? So, Stop pretending. That one's not easy to say, hard to do. I know. The next one is plant the seed for gospel conversations. Yeah, you walk up to somebody and say, do you know if you, if you, if you died tonight, if you go to heaven or hell? People, that's pretty confrontational, isn't it? Especially if they don't know you. They're like, well, my name is Matt. <laughs> you know, who are you? <laughs> um, so, so remember these two words, invest and invite. Start being very interested in people. You know, every person you pass was created in the image of God. God is incredibly interested in those people. And when we start becoming interested in those people and caring for those people, those people that sit by themselves at lunch, um, those people that are loners in our little friend circle, those people that nobody invites to our sleepovers and our parties and stuff that we have, we start investing in them. We earn the right to be heard. And you know what I've learned is a lot of people respond to an invitation. 
And sometimes we have big like services, like a big like bring everybody you can service in, in the main building. And I'll ask somebody, hey, you know, you should, you should, you should come and hear our pastor preach on, on Sunday morning. You know what I get most of the time? Well, I'd like to do that sometime. When you in, invite people, they actually, a lot of times will do it. Invite somebody to our Thanksgiving dinner. Grab one of those life books sitting on the refuel table and give it to someone. Invite. And the final S word is share the gospel. And this is where I've really, yeah, this has really helped me. I remember three A words. Ask, admire, and admit. Um, what's the best way to talk to somebody about Jesus? Well, don't start off the way I just started off before. But this is such a great question to ask people, and you get so many really interesting responses. Just ask them, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Oh, my goodness, you, like, open up the floodgates. You know, you'll hear what they believe about this and what they believe about this and what, you believe, you know, what they believe about God. And, what, you know, and so a lot of times what you realize, every, people have kind of like this mangled idea of what, what spirituality is and what God is. And, and the first, me, as kind of like I like to, I'm into theology and stuff. First thing I, I try to do when I hear people explain their spiritual beliefs, I try to, yeah, I'm, I'm naturally wanting, wanting to critique them and be like, oh, okay, that kind of sounds like, like Pelagianism. Like, that kind of sounds like... They, <laughs> Don't do that, okay? The next step is you, this is gonna be hard for some of you that always have to be right, but admire something about their beliefs. You're talking to someone who believes that if they just work hard enough, they can kind of like get in good with God. Admire the fact that they take their faith seriously. Just say, hey, you know, I, I really admire the fact that like, you've really thought this through and you're really, you're really concerned that you, know, you want to make sure that, that you go to heaven. That's great. But then the last one is admit. <laughs> this is where God's patience display in your life comes in full force. You say, hey, I really admire what you, what you said. Can I tell you what I've come to realize? Is that I've screwed up so many times that I'm never going to be able to get to heaven on my own. But God has been so patient with me. He forgave my sins through Jesus on the cross. And if he can save me, <laughs> you, you, you have no idea what I've done. But if he can save me, I know he can save you. And then you transition to sharing the gospel. And I've, I came across this really helpful acrostic. And a lot of the middle schoolers were taking pictures of it so they could remember it. I'm going to post it on our Instagram account um, probably tomorrow. Um, but if you've never led somebody to Jesus, you, you would not know how to lead somebody to Jesus. If you can remember these words, G-O-S-P-E-L, or these letters, G-O-S-P-E-L, God created us to be with him. But our sins separate us from God. Sin is the problem. And those sins cannot be removed by good deeds. You can't work your way to God. But paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. And everyone, remember the connection, everyone who believes in him has eternal life. And you don't have to wait to do that. You can do it like right now. The stakes are high, remember? The stakes are high. There's noth there is nothing more important in your life that you can do than have this conversation with somebody. And I know this is, <laughs> we usually have a heavy lesson at the end of the fall, and I know this is a heavy lesson, um, but I want to encourage you to just do two things. The first is, invite someone to come with you next week. I'm going to be presenting the gospel, the G-O-S-P-E-L gospel, in a very clear way. But I'm not going to do all the work. I'm going to leave a little bit for you to do too. After we finish the gospel presentation at our Thanksgiving dinner, I'm going to say, if you have any questions, you can talk to me or you can talk to the person who brought you. 
If you say, Matt, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. If they ask you questions, just bring them over to me and we'll talk, we'll talk about it together. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Um, but th- this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to follow Jesus. The stakes are high. And God wants them. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about people here in the room. God wants to use you. Even with your big butt. He wants to use your big butt to bring others to Jesus. Um, so I'm going to pray. And we're going to make like a baby and head out of here. So let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us together. Um, God, there, it's, it's tragic that there are people that don't know how they can be saved. It's tragic that we know how to be saved and we have the answer. And so often we don't, we don't give it to the people who are searching. God, I pray that you'll bring one name to each mind on here of someone who needs Jesus. That even despite our best efforts, that you won't let that name escape our thoughts this week. That you'll arrange divine encounters with that person so that we can tell them about you. And even if we screw up and we don't have that conversation, that you'll bring them back to us and back to us and back to us until we can't hold it in anymore and we tell them about Jesus. God, there's nothing more important than that. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you'll save anyone who calls on your name and believes in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.